Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Thanks again for joining us this morning, everybody. We're going to continue talking about our relationship tune-up. And um, I'm excited about continuing this message that we started talking about last week with boomerang, bang, and ending pain. And last week we, we talked, if really kind of focused in on, on family relationships, we'll do a little bit of that more today, but also want to tie in more things with, with church because that's our theme is that you can go to the next slide there for me if you would, is that we want to help people with relationships to tune things up with their marriage, parenting, church and family. And next week's going to be really, really great. We're going to answer some questions on parenting and relationships and things like that. It's going to be really good. So you want to make sure you submit your uh, questions to us. And uh, how many, let me ask you, how many of you here last, were here last week and this started making a difference in your life, this tennis ball? Raise your hand up if it did. Great. Lots of people. That's, that's really awesome. And uh, we have more of these for today and we'll talk about those in a minute. But um, I just want to take a minute and just show you, you know, families, our family relationships and sometimes church relationships can be really complicated. You know, we talked last week about how we, we know, and sometimes it's hard for us even to really receive God's unconditional love and, and really think that he really does love us unconditionally. But the people that we really do expect to, to love us unconditionally really is our family. Because why? Because we're family. We all have a lot of different, uh, different ways that we've grown up. And sometimes your parents, you grew up with parents that were very detached. Sometimes you grew up with parents that were really controlling. Families are just different. So let me just show you a little video this morning of some people that want to be really trendy and want to be really healthy. And then we'll go from there. Oh, that looks delicious. Red Apron delivers farm fresh ingredients and original recipes so you can cook an incredible meal any night of the week. Here's how it works. We perfectly proportion each ingredient so there's very little waste. And our step-by-step recipes are designed for beginners and experienced cooks alike. Menus change each week based on what's in season at hundreds of family-run farms. We even provide special tools to There you go. Now you know why it's red apron instead of blue. So But families can be complicated. Relationships can be complicated. Meals and eating fresh animals from their uh, kitchen island can be complicated. But uh, we really, really hope this series is really helping you guys uh, better your marriage and better relationships with your families. Let's look at the first verse uh, this morning out of Matthew chapter 7. If you want to turn to your Bible uh, or turn to your phone. I'm like, uh, Michael, I love hearing those pages. Those pages uh, uh, rustle around. So let's look at Matthew chapter seven. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. 
since you will be judged in the same judgment that you make, and you will be measured by the same standard you apply. Let's look at the next verse here out of Luke chapter 6. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. We're living in a culture now where it is, people are all about, I mean, I've actually heard people say when you're kind of maybe joking around or something, like people say to me, hey, don't judge me. And And they're serious. They're serious. We're living in a culture now where we're not supposed to judge anybody by anything because when we do, we're considered that we can't relate to them. We don't know what they've been through, that we're a hater. And then we also live in the culture. And the flip side of that is, well, I heard he was cheating on his wife, but who am, you know, who am I to judge? Well, we're all Christians, and Jesus said for us not to judge one another, right? So we have this weird concept of what judgment really means and how we're supposed to view and also help one another in the church. And then, and then we think that the way that we're supposed to, uh, how we're supposed to judge or not judge within the church, we're supposed to do the same in the world. And those, and Jesus has given us really specific instructions about that. He goes on and he says this. So he's talking about judging. So, so let's, let's, let's check out the rest of this, these verses here. It says this. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And it will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Man, I'm telling you, I think... I think maybe every time I've heard this verse and I've been in church for more than 30 years, it's always related to giving. And we've just kind of taken this verse and sure we know that when you give, God does bless us back. And God, like Michael was saying, God loves a cheerful giver, man. If you're cheerful and you're giving and you want to give a lot, well, yeah, the, the law of sowing and reaping works and it works here, but he's instructing us to, to, to not to, to not cast judgments is what we've been talking about. Let me give you an example of that. Susan and I were at a restaurant a couple years ago, and I can't remember if it was something happened with her meal or my meal, but there was a server that was going by, and I was saying, excuse me, can I? And she just would keep walking. And I became like the invisible customer. And I was like, and she would go by again, and I would, hey, excuse me. And then she would just keep walking. I was like, what? what what's up with this? And so I just, and I, I, um, you know, kind of got real self-righteous and, and, uh, and I went to the, to the front where the host, I said, I need to see the manager. So the manager came to our table and I said, I don't remember what it was. And I told her what was going on with the meal or something was burned or I don't know, something was weird. And then I said, but I, the, this, this gal over here, she keeps walking by and I tried to get her, her attention three times and she just totally ignored me. And she said, sir, that's our hearing impaired, hearing impaired employee. And I'm like, oh, seriously, I am such a jerk. I got out my knife and I started stabbing myself. But we do, we tend to cast judgments on things when we really don't know all of the situation. We talked about this a little bit last week. Go to the next slide there for me. Is that the, for the Greek, for the word, I don't have the Greek word here because I could probably never spell it or pronounce it. But it means for uh, when we cast judgments or when we judge others is we, we sit, it means to sift, to divide out and to assess. And so when we do that, it's like this. When we cast judgments, it's we think that we know better. We think that we have some kind of great wisdom. And so what we do, it's like this. We throw this and we expect when we throw it, 
I know, people started ducking in the back, believe me. I actually bought this on Amazon, and it was only $7, and all the, I bought it because it was cheap, and it would be good for, for, for showing this today, but uh, all the reviews were all one star because they said they threw it once and it broke, so don't worry. It is not, it's not going to be thrown, but if I did throw it and it broke, I could hit like three or four people, which would be kind of cool, but, um, <laughs> but what we do is when we cash those judgments, what we do is it's like throwing this boomerang. It's like we throw it. And then we, th- and we feel, we think we have some kind of a release or we have some kind of special knowledge or some kind of great discernment, but it comes back to us. And let's look at when we cast these judgments, let's look at this, look at the next verses here. In Mark chapter four, it says this in verse 26, then he said, the kingdom of God is like a man who throws seed on the ground. Remember, like we talked about this last week, we've got what I call universal laws, and then there's spiritual laws. And this is a spiritual law that when you sow something, it's coming back to you. But look what it says. And the kingdom of God is like a man who throws seed on the ground, and he goes to bed at night and gets up every day. And in the meantime, the seed sprouts and grows. How does it, uh, um, how does this, how it does this? He does not know. Next, when we, once again, when we cast judgments upon other people, what we do is we start, start to sift and divide, divide and assess in our own human, with our own human nature, our own human knowledge. And not only is that not good, but then what always happens is the result of the next slide. Throw this, cast some judgment, it comes back. And when we cast our judgments, it always returns us pain. Well, I always knew that grandma liked her better than me because she got the best Christmas gifts. Always ends up in pain for us. Let me ask you this question. How many of you guys have ever been in church, and maybe this has even happened to you, but something happens where you know somebody in church and say the pastor's in a hurry with the sermon, or maybe there was a uh, some kind of uh, friction on the worship team and he was trying to help some people out, so he's kind of really focused on what he has to do, maybe feeling a little bit stressed. He walks into the church and says, hey, pastor, how's it going this morning? He's so focused. He doesn't even hear. He just passes them by. It's totally an error on his part. He just doesn't hear anything. But what happens to that person? You throw it. I didn't really think that pastor liked me. Why would he treat me like that? Boom. Throw it out. Well, I'm a giver. Boom. It always comes back to us in pain. How many times have we seen people in church get offended over something so small? They made the carpet blue in the auditorium. No one asked me about that. I don't feel very valued. It comes back to us as pain. I've even seen things happen pretty recently here at the church where somebody was offended over something that obviously was a big deal to them, but I thought it was kind of ridiculous, to be honest with you. But what happens is we get those offenses and we throw this out and it comes back as pain. And when the pain comes back, it just doesn't go away. It can fester. Well, I knew that that church really didn't like me. Back at me. More pain. Well, I always knew that Christians could were really kind of phony. You see what I'm saying? The, you start casting judgments and how you, and those things will start to grow and grow and grow. And, and just what we just read that Jesus said is that when we sow those things, they will come back to us, pressed down, shaken together and fallen in our lap. And so with us as believers, it's up to us to stop 
casting these judgments on our family and upon church members. Because what happens to that guy in church that's upset about something? He starts to cast his judgments. I didn't think the pastor really liked me anyway. Pain. Well, I came to the church and no one greeted me last week. Boom. Pain. Well, I think I'm going to start looking for another church. Boom. Pain. Well, I always knew those Christians were phony anyway. Boom. Pain. Well, I don't even think I want to go to church. I don't even know if I really believe in God anymore. Boom. Pain. How we cast those judgments and how and what we do with our thoughts, um, will, will, it'll, it'll cause us to feel a lot of pain in our lives and it'll cause us to cast judgments that we really shouldn't catch, cast. Just like I did with the person that was deaf working in the restaurant. We talked last week about when we get into conflict with family, that it's great for us to sit down instead of casting a bunch of judgments and thinking about, I know why they treated me this way. They've always treated me this way. I've never been mom's favorite. All these different things that if we sit down, that we can ask questions. Well, why did this really happen? What were you, what was your intent in doing this with me? Or can I tell you how this made me feel and how when we, when we ask those non-threatening questions how it can diffuse situations and then the person that you're feeling conflict with or you've been hurt by it will cause them to to immediately not be full of defenses but you're because you're trying to find out where they're at we talked about this last week like i said i've heard that gandhi said this i've heard different people said this i don't know who really said this but it's a great quote is when you're in conflict to seek to understand instead of seeking to be understood. If we can do that, especially within the body of Christ, things will be really, really different for us. You know, we talked even last week even more about um, about the situation with Drew Brees making a 30-second commercial about bring your Bible to school day. And he's been just... He's been beaten to a pulp in the media because he was associated with an organization that I know very well because I worked there for seven years, that they have a stand against, um, they, don't make a, they don't make a stand against gay marriage, but they make a stand for a man and a woman being married in a biblical sense. And so people automatically thought, way back when I started working there in 1994, until now that they're a group of haters. And that's because they do this. They're casting their judgments and it comes back as pain. And that's where so much of the cult, our culture is right now. And that's why we're so divided. And that's why there's things in the body of Christ that are happening that, that are dividing us and dividing churches. Let's look at um, uh, Philippians chapter 4. It says, rejoice in, in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your, reasonable, your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. Everybody say, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. How cool is it that we can apply this verse in, into our lives instead of standing up and, and then trying to guess what somebody did and why they did it and why it's hurtful to us. But if we can take this verse and really start to apply it to be anxious for nothing. If Carrie says something to me and I don't understand where he's coming from and it's offensive to me, instead of me sitting and going driving home and going, well, that was really kind of rude and he embarrassed me in front of people and why would he say that? And um, but if, but what if I am not anxious about any of that and I take that to the Lord and I start praying about it and asking God to help me with it? Then it says this. So, so we need to let our requests be known to the Lord. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and, and your minds in Christ Jesus. How cool is that? When we take these offenses from family and from church members, and we really apply this verse, not only can we take it to him and give it to him, but then the peace of God will come into our hearts. That's such a great thing for us to have resolve. I used to tell teenagers all the time, and I was, I've been, for some of you, some of you don't know, I was a youth pastor for many years, and teenagers would say, well, so-and-so and so-and-so, they said this, and it really hurt my feelings. And you know what I used to say? Welcome to the body of Christ. Because guess what? We're sometimes, we're really stupid, we're ignorant of the word, and we hurt people. But, 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 but we are people that can obey. If we look at his word and really apply some of these things to our lives, it will cut down on that pain. Look at verse eight and it says this, finally, brothers. So he's telling us that we can bring things to him, but then also he goes on and he says this, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any, any excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, think about these things. How great is it for us to no longer take the boomerang, this judgment, and throw it out here and have it come back because it always comes back to us as pain as we cast some judgments, but that we can, but if we focus on things that are praiseworthy, things that are honorable. Then he goes on in verse nine and says this. So check out these results. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Man, when we're looking for peace in situations, instead of how we can defend ourselves and how we can be, you know, we, we can be self-righteous in certain situations with, especially, like I said last week, when we deal with family situations, family situations, I think are the hardest. And I don't know about you, but family relations, family conflict, I think, at least for me, has been the hardest in my life because I, I then cast judgments in a way of saying, well, I thought they would, they should think better of me. You know, and like I said, we, we have this, uh, really we have this thing in our hearts and our minds that they should love us and, and expect the best of us no matter what. But family relationships are really, really hard and they're, they're, they can be really tangled because guess what? Our families know the best of us and they know the worst of us. Am I right? Uh, how many of you guys, um, have people in your family that are not walking with Jesus or they don't know, they don't know Christ as their savior? How many? Raise your hand up. When you try to share the gospel with them, isn't it tough? And part of the reason why it's so tough is because they know all our junk. But then also, we want to share the gospel with them, and we, but we don't want them to stand back and judge us because they know that we've messed up. All of this stuff can be really, really difficult. So I'm not saying that you, that just because I'm talking to you today, that all of a sudden snap, this stuff is over. But it's something that we can really work on, and the Lord will really bless us, and He will really bring us peace in our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's look at Galatians chapter 6. It says this, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his, his precepts to be scornfully set aside. Whatever a man sows, this and only this is what he will reap. 
When we sow things, we talked about last night, we, last, last night, we talked about last week about the Sermon on the Mount that blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those, and Jesus gives us a list, but blessed are those that are peacemakers because they will be called the sons of God. When we sow those things, I'll go back a second. In Philippians, we were talking about what we should focus on when we focus on the things that are just, the things that are, 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 are praiseworthy. When we focus on those things, it does great things inside of us. And we really can then cast those anxieties upon him as we pray. But he's also telling us here that whatever we sow, if you continue to sow those things, that's what you're going to get back. I don't know about you, but when the Lord says in, in Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mountain, he says, Blessed are those who bring mercy. You will receive mercy. I'm telling you, that's probably the one that I need the most. I need to sow mercy for the right reasons, but when, but part of that is when I sow that, it's coming back to me as mercy. And I need that. Let's look at, um, the, the next couple of things that, that um, I wanted to bring up today. When we judge another person, what we're doing is we're judging their heart and their thoughts and their motives. We're judging their heart and their thoughts and their motives, and that's what tends to bring us pain. Because really what we're doing is we're using our own human nature to guess. And when we do it, we use this, and it returns to us, and it, and it hurts us. Look at the next slide here. But here, here's how we can judge somebody, and I want to encourage you with this. This is something I always told my kids. You can't judge, judge someone's hearts, thoughts, and motives, but you can judge their track record. And you should. If I'm doing something with, um, if I'm in charge of something, some kind of ministry or something, and I'm working with Tito, and he's all, and he's always late, I can judge not why he's late, but I can judge that he is late, and somehow we've got to get something fixed. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> so, but that's a that's a great way for us to handle this is for us to to not look at someone's heart and motives. And to cast to cast those judgments, but for us to really look at their the, look at their track record, and we can do that. Let me share a couple other things for you. That um, uh, let's turn to, if you can turn to your Bible. Have your Bible with you. Turn to First um, Corinthians five and verse one it says this. This is Paul. Paul's giving them instructions here. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that does not occur even among the pagans. A man has his father's wife. So there's a, yes, exactly. There's, there's a, a son who's, um, being, uh, has extracurricular activities with, (laughs) with his father's wife. And so, and he's even saying here, this is not even something that we see among the pagans. And he said, and you are proud. So what's tell, what he's saying is that he, this is, this kind of activity is going on in the church and they're saying, well, we'll just be merciful. Well, everybody's a sinner. Sound like what's happening in our churches today? When people are really afraid to make a stand against some immorality. Anyway. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief and put out of fellowship the man who did this? Even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. 
and I have already passed judgment on the one who did this, just as if I were present. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, his um, hand... uh, Hand this man over to Satan so that the sinful nature may be destroyed and his spirit saved in the day of the Lord. That is some really, really harsh judgment right there. But it's true and it's biblical. And I think, I know I've been around people that said, oh, my brother's in sin, so we're just going to pray for the destruction of his flesh. I'm like, oh, wait, 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 a, wait a second. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. He's not, he's not even in the church. You're t- people take scripture totally out of context with this. So uh, I'm not saying when that's, I'm not going to tell you when that's supposed to happen, but there is judgment that we can judge, but notice this is judging the actions and the sin, the sin of someone that's in the church, not judging their thoughts or hearts or motives. Then he goes on and he says, your boasting is not good. So they were really proudful uh, of uh, and bragging on themselves that they would allow this type of sin in the church. Um, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you are as you really are for Christ our passover lamb has been has been sacrificed therefore let us keep the festival not with the old yeast the yeast of malice and wickedness but with the bre- but with bread without yeast the bread of uh, sincerity and truth and he goes on in verse 9 and says this I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Now check this out. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral. The church has been afraid of the people that are in sin, and so they keep them at a distance. When I was in Colorado and I was a youth pastor, check this out. We came back from a mission trip, and I was working with pretty much all junior hires at this point. And we took about 30 kids on a mission trip. We had maybe 50 or so kids in the youth group at the time. And I kept telling them, if the mission trip ends when we get home, the whole thing was a failure. Because we were out to get them out of their comfort zone and to be doing doing more and seeing themselves as doing more than, than they ever thought they could through the power of the Lord. You follow me? So we came home. Some circumstances happened where I got in touch with a, a prison that was right outside of Colorado Springs. And they worked with teenagers that were 12 to 17 years old. And I said, Hey, can we come and can we do, can do ministry? And they were, it was, uh, they had a lot of Christian people there. Like, yeah, you can come here and you guys can do whatever you want. You can come in and you preach, you can do worship. So we put together a worship band and we would go do worship. And so we believe that teenagers could do more and be more. And so when teenagers wanted to preach, they preached their first sermons at the prison. And then they would say, Rick, if I could preach a, pre- preach a sermon here, I could preach a sermon anywhere. Have you ever preached in prison? It's, uh, it can be, it's a rough crowd, but, but they, but they'll receive it. But here's something that's really, really interesting. This facility had been open for nine years. And when we said we wanted to come and we went back the third or fourth time, the administrator said this, they said, we really didn't think you guys would come back after being here once. I was like, really? And they said, you are the first church in nine years to come here and to come back a second time because the kids here are so rough that the church members get offended and they don't want to be around them. 
So we would get in a group, small group of four or five, you know, we had guys and girls separated. We get five or five or six uh, people in a circle and we'd say, hey, what do you want to pray about? And, and then so we would pray for them and then we got them to start praying. And when they would pray, Meshach, it was crazy because they would say, God, I know that you're there, but I need my, and then the exiles would fly. I mean, they dropped every swear word imaginable when they prayed. But I'm telling you, that was not offensive to God. And it was not offensive to me. Because they, that's how, that's how they lived. It was in their culture. That's just how they talked. It was not meant to be offensive. They were expressing their emotions. But you guys, we are not supposed to be afraid and judge people outside the church. He goes on and he says, he says this. Let me keep reading here. He says, um, that, uh, you should not uh, associate with immoral people, not at all, meaning the people of, of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I am writing to you that you must, you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother who is sexual, immoral, greedy, and so forth. So he's telling us here that we do have the right to judge people that are in the church, but we don't judge their hearts and motives and action or their heart motives and thoughts, but we can judge people by their actions. Now, let me say this. If there's, I heard a pastor say this, um, a couple of months ago and I love this. He was talking, it's a, it's a, it's a large church and they're having people that are coming to their church that are, are homosexuals. And he's been telling, he tells his congregation, look, when people are coming here and they're searching for truth, no matter what's going on in their life, they are welcome here. And when people are struggling with immorality, but they are wanting to get free, they are welcome here. But he said, but when people are coming in to make a statement and to change, try to change the doctrine of the church, they'll never, they'll never last. And that's the way we really need to see this as, as a church is we need to, to have people, if you're coming here and you're struggling with something, you are in the right place. Amen. You are in the right place. And if you're here and, and you're seeking out some truth for, for how you're living and what's going on in your life, you are in the right place. And we want you to be here. Let's look at the next couple of slides and we'll finish up. Um, there we go. When our flesh craves judgment, this is a lot of what's happening. Number one, two points here. Judgment calls for a penalty. When this infra- with this infraction, we think a penalty should be handed down. So I'm talking about when we are judging those motives, um, and hearts and things like that. In turn, sowing these seeds, we will start to change. Our, we start to change our relationships, and we distort our views of others and ourselves. Do you know also the other the other thing that really backfires on us when we throw that boomerang of judgment out and it comes back is we not only judge others but we start to judge ourselves. And Jesus is telling us, "Don't do that." Well, I already, re- I already knew I was a dirt ball. I always knew that, man, I'd never really be able to do this thing with Jesus like I'm supposed to. I knew I'd never be able to keep keep relationships uh, going like I need to or whatever. So we can cast those judgments out to other people. But I'm telling you, it's just as bad as when we cast those things out and it boomerangs that about us. And God doesn't want us to do that. Number two. When our flesh craves judgment, it's our natural tendency to be reactionary as we try to avoid pain, defend ourselves, and blame others. God wants us to 
do what we read in, in Philippians chapter 4, to focus on those things, to be anxious for nothing, and to focus on those things that are joyful, things that are just, things that are praiseworthy. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When we are working with, when we're dealing with family members and we're dealing with uh, people within the church, we need to we need to rely on the word of God and we need to pray the word of God. And God takes care of these things. This is his job to do this through his word and not for us. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It's up here. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. I just saw... Uh, an Instagram post from a friend of mine who's a pastor here in town. And, and, um, I think it's great to pray for our city. I think it's great to, you know, to, to pray. But they went up to this high mountain and they took pictures of the city and they were up on the mountain and they somehow feel like if they're up and they're high and they're looking at the city, that somehow their prayers are going to be more active. They're going to do more. And then, um, even I was at, with a church a long time ago and we went up, uh, to, uh, to up on a, up on a big hill or on a big mountain to cast down strongholds. And I thought that's, I, I mean, I was just biblically ignorant when it comes to this. This is talking about the things that are in here, not the things that are out there. We can pray for our city and the Bible does tell us that we can, that we can pray and we can take authority over different spirits. But this is talking about what's in here, not what's out there. It says this in, in, in verse 5, it says this, We tear down arguments and every presumption set up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's what we're supposed to do instead of throwing the boomerang. We talked about this last week with the ball. For some of you guys weren't here, I told, I told um, everybody last week that Many years ago, I read a book called Every Man's Battle, and then I read the book Every Young Man's Battle, and I went through with a bunch of teenagers, and the author talked about when you're dealing with, if, if you're dealing with lustful things, and it's the lust of the eyes, that if you see some woman, or, you know, if you're a teenager, some young woman, that is beautiful, and you're dealing with lust, and it, and your thoughts and your imagination goes too far, that you need to learn to bounce your eyes. And so I, I had a big football and it had bounce on it and I threw it down the, on the ground and really made that great visual of when, if you're dealing with this, you've got to learn to bounce your eyes. You've got to learn to focus on something else. And so I, and believe me, in no way I've, I've done, I've not mastered this, but I've been working on it since 2002 and I keep working on it. And it's just like with casting judgments and what this tennis ball represents as I told you last week, that when we have those judgments, we have to let everything bounce. We have to bounce our eyes. We have to bounce our thoughts. We have to bounce our, the things where we're letting our heart go, and we have to change it right away. That's why we gave out these tennis balls last week, is because when you have something like that, then you have something going on in your mind and in your heart, you got to learn to quickly switch and not let yourself go there. And it's, it's such a self-discipline. And I'll tell you this, um, Learning to bounce my eyes and not dealing with lust like I used to, like I said, I've not, I've not mastered that, but this has helped me immensely. And then also 
using this kind of a concept of not allowing myself to judge somebody else, those two things have really revolutionized my life. They have drastically revolutionized my life. And I find myself to be in a lot less trouble because I've, I've, and I'm still working on it and I work on it all the time, but it's just a self-discipline that uh, I put myself through. So look, and so anyway, so in verse six, I'll read this again. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience as soon as our uh, obedience is complete. Uh, you are looking at outward appearances. So when we look at those outward appearances, it's easier for, easy for us to cast judgment. Um, I won't go into that anymore because I feel like I'm going to beat a dead horse. I don't want to do that. So let's look at the next couple of verses and we'll finish up. This is from James chapter one. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, excuse me, then, then desire when it is, has conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. You guys, when we use this versus this, we're going to reap death. Let me show you what I mean by that. Look at the next, next slide. It says here that, that sin is conceived. How is sin conceived? Can sin, sin is almost always conceived with two things, an emotion and an action. Well, that really hurt me, and I'm really ticked. So I'm going to say something about it. So we take that emotion and then we put it with an action. It takes two things to con- to conceive in life and everything, but those two things is. But when we can stop the emotion, we won't get to the action. Amen. When we do focus on everything that is pure, everything that is holy, things that are just. When we take those things to the Lord, when we start to feel anxious and we take those things to the Lord and then we learn to not let everything go where it used to go that causes pain, we won't even get to the action and we end up with less sin in our lives and God will bring healing to us and really will be a, a more whole of a person. You know, um, I've talked to you guys a lot of about this so many times, but there's such huge events in my life. Um, but when my, my wife died 12 years ago, um, you know, we all deal with really tough stuff. Going through divorce is really tough. People, uh, man, how many people do we know that were pregnant and had a miscarriage? And it is so, so hard. People die. Babies die. Things don't work out. People cheat on us. People are abusive. But you know, though, somebody, I had so, several people ask me the first couple years after my wife passed away and said, how did you deal with being angry with God? And I'm happy to tell you, I was never angry at God. And I really believe the reason why I was never angry with God is because of this. Because think about it, how many times do we pray and we use scripture and we get our Bible study to join with us in faith and it doesn't end up how we prayed? So what do we do? We cast judgments on God. I really trusted you, Lord, and you let me down. 
I never thought, I've prayed and prayed that I could get pregnant and it didn't happen. It didn't last. Why? Why? I am not telling you, I'm not standing here and judging you for being mad at God. Because we've all been there. But when we learn to bounce our emotions into into bounce to, or to bounce what's in here and not get emotional. I'm telling you, I think that's the reason why I didn't get mad at God. Some of the big events in my life that have been really, really hard in the last 10, 10, 12 years. I'm happy to say that I didn't judge God. I don't let me tell you this. It was hard. And there was times I judged myself. There was times I judged my wife that died. But I'm glad that I didn't judge God. Let me read uh, one more verse to you and we'll finish up. Galatians chapter 5. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole for the whole law is fulfilled in the one word, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the, devi- the, the desires of the flesh. Guys, when we take some of these scriptures I've talked about today and we start to apply them, this is what it's talking about that helps us to really walk by the Spirit. How many of you guys, I, how many of you guys really do want to walk by the Spirit with this stuff? Amen. Amen. And then in verse 17, it says, For the desires of our flesh are, are against the Spirit, and the desires of, of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Verse 18. But I say... Be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Can we stand up this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your goodness. And we thank You that each and every one of us, no matter how we feel, how we view ourselves, what we think of ourselves, that You saw us fit. You told us in Romans that you said that even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. And Lord, I thank you that your plan for each and every one of us, that we would walk in healing, that we would walk to be people that are whole, that we could serve you better and to serve one another even more. And Lord, we thank You that You are for us and that You're not against us. And in Isaiah, it says that prophesied thousands of years before Your Son Jesus died. It says that when He died on the cross, You were satisfied. You were satisfied. And Lord, just like the verse that Michael shared this morning, that if any person is in Christ, there's no more condemnation. There's no more condemnation in you. But God is seeking after you to make you whole, 
And He wants to bring healing to your life. Those of you that if you're here this morning, if you're here and you would like prayer to really help you get through some tough stuff with family or some people, it's just you've just been kind of held back. And you might admit it's maybe you just being bitter, you being angry, you feeling like a jerk, you feeling like a dirt ball. If you're here and you're dealing with some stuff and you just haven't been able to get over that hump and to get to a place where you're getting more healing, would you just lift your hand up? I'm going to pray for you this morning. Lots of people all over the place. Lift your hand up really tall. I'm going to see it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we pray for the folks here this morning that are dealing with hurts and disappointments. And even those hurts and disappointments, they feel like, are directed at you. And I ask, Lord, that you would begin to bring healing to them, Father, in a supernatural way. Just where you're standing this morning, just ask, ask God, whatever you've been dealing with, ask God to forgive you. Ask Him to forgive you. Confess. The Lord says that, in, that when you confess things, that he is, he is so just and He will cleanse you from everything that's unrighteous everything that is that is not of him he will forgive you lord we thank you for your word this morning that it has the power to change our lives help us to walk as peacemakers help us to walk as you've called us to be those ministers of reconciliation and we thank you for these things father in jesus name amen amen